Hey everybody, welcome to another Savage Gentleman podcast. It's been long overdue, but we're excited to bring you a new series called Man Behind the Cut. We've partnered with Throwbacks Barbers and Vincent Vargas, aka Rocco, and this series will be sitting down in the barber's chair at Throwbacks to interview someone while they get a haircut, and the very first episode kicks off with none other than yours truly, so stay tuned and enjoy. Josh Tyler, thanks for joining us today. Uh, thanks for allowing uh, my man here to give you a good haircut and clean you up and make you look fresh. I need it, man. It's funny you say that. So you are one of the owners and founders of uh, Savage Gentleman. Correct. You know, which is more than just a brand. Obviously, I've actually seen what you guys do online. Uh, you guys have a, have a group, and I've been following the group, and all the guys out there that are researching and looking for information. Yeah. Right? And uh, Which is such a cool brand and such a cool concept because I think it's very important in our time right now needing leadership, needing guidance, mm -hmm. right? And so when you say this non-binary, non-gender specific kind of question, it, it's, it's such an honest statement these days, right? Yeah, and so, I mean, it's a real thing. Like people really talk about that kind of stuff. And I mean, that's like, you know, uh, the dialogue that is occurring in a lot of people, it's like, you know, this, the whole gender question, man, it's, it's pretty weird. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's, the, so in your, Savage Gentleman brand, is this something that you guys are trying to bring out? Is, is What is really this Savage Gentleman? Because obviously the name itself is almost like, hey, this is a type of man, right? Yeah. You know, the, the, the toxic masculinity conversation right. kind of comes to play with that, right? And so yep. my, my thought is, what was the vision of naming it that and creating this kind of brand following? Well, I mean, obviously Savage Gentleman in itself is an oxymoron, right? right. I mean, they're two opposite things. Which I think is is really accurate for the dichotomy of the male existence. You know right. what I mean? Like like we're both. You know what I mean? 100%. Like dudes are both. We can be savage. We can also be gentlemen. The ideal is figuring out you know how and when to be each, and that's the idea of savage gentlemen. It's not this you know standard archetype. You know, it's not a specific. This isn't what it is. You know, it's it's this aspirational idea of like where we should be going well, as men. It's funny because society likes to put us in a bubble. Mm -hmm. And I think that starts kind of in our, our father's generation. Yeah. You know, or even before that, really. Yep. The, the masculine men don't cry. Mm -hmm. Masculine men are strong. They're never weak. They don't show emotion. Right? And I think that's kind of my father's era. That's oh, really, yeah. That's how I was raised. Yep. And society continued to believe that we are in that box. But as well as, as much as we might be a part of that, we aren't necessarily only that, right? Right, right. Well, it's it's super limiting, right? And I think you know there's some there's some dangers that arise if you if you start putting limitations on who and what we can be and how we can be. And it's like, look, man, just fucking be a good dude. You yes. know what I mean? End of story. Just be a decent dude, whatever that looks like. It's like, man, I don't care what you do with your hair. I don't care what clothes you wear or what car you drive. Like, none of that shit matters. Right. It's like, man, what are you doing to make the world around you better? And, and I think a savage gentleman is trying to do that, you know, but he has to be savage to get it done. Well, yeah, there's a big, there's a big thing in there that I think is important in my life as mm -hmm. well, the way I raise my kids, and is even though... You know, say the savage gentleman concept and, or the toxic masculinity concept people want to talk about. As men, I still always want to be the protector of my mm -hmm. family, right? And I always want to learn how to, like, fight. And yeah. This is, this is something near and dear to you since right. you are an MMA fighter as yep. well. Um, what do you think about that in, in the balance of learning and training to fight? And why is that so important in being the savage gentleman, but as well as just uh, 
a good part of society, a good acting citizen in society? I mean, it, it all comes down to capability, right? It's like if you are not capable of doing certain things, you, you can't really be an effective human, an effective man, right? And yeah. so if we're talking about the role of defense, which is important to most of us as men, it's like, man, you need to be able to execute on that. It can't just be all talk. It's like, yeah, you gotta know what you're doing. And yeah. so the only way for me to you know, really comprehend that is to practice it and live it. You know, I mean, training as a fighter, it's like, man, I've got a pretty good understanding of what I can do against another human being. Yeah. Well, it's crazy because I think, I mean, most people probably wouldn't understand that, but being in the military, being also in law enforcement so many years in corrections, I know that the world is filled with some bad people, mm -hmm. right? And so I've took it upon myself to train myself, but as well as my family. And that's part of my idea of making sure that my family's ready for what potentially bad can happen. Yeah. Part of being a savage gentleman is being prepared for those those potential situations. Absolutely. Well, I mean, think about the old saying, it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a garden in a war. Gardener in a war, right? Um, and it's that same thing. It's like, man, 90% of the time, I'm never going to have to use the skills that I've developed, you know, the past 10 years fighting in a cage. However, if I need them, they're there and I'm wholly confident in, you know, doing what needs to be done in whatever situation. Yeah. Speaking of which, there's a little guy back there making some ruckus. It's all good. Um, you know, in raising kids, you, you have sons, daughters. Mm -hmm. Yep, I've got two, one of each. And how important is it for you raising a daughter that can defend herself just as much as a boy. Super important, man. And it's like, again, that you it kind of comes back to putting limitations, right? Of saying right. like, okay, girls can only do this, boys can only do that. And I think, you know, I think that's an archaic way of looking thing. I, and, and look, I'm not against gender roles whatsoever, right. but you know, my, my wife does a lot of traditionally female things. I do a lot of traditionally male things. But we, we bounce back and forth. I mean, I'm the primary caregiver of our kids. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've got my son with me today, yeah. you know, which is obviously not standard. So the same rules apply for my daughter. It's like, yeah, man, she can wear dresses. She can do whatever she wants to do. But she's also going to be capable of handling her shit because I think that that's, that's just important for people in general. You know, so let's step back some. Tell me about, like, MMA. What started you in MMA? Why did you go towards MMA? And then what's the plan after MMA? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, what started was just wrestling, which yeah. you're familiar with. I love wrestling. You know, I mean, I think it's a, one of the best sports you can have your kids do. I think it is the best sport. I, you know, it's funny, playing college baseball, mm -hmm. it's hard for me to say that. Yeah. But I really do believe wrestling is one of the best foundations you can give a kid outside of baseball. I think wrestling, you develop a lot of grit mm -hmm. that is important in life. And you also get that one-on-one -on -one altercation. Mm -hmm. You give them a street fight in the safest, in the safest yep. place possible. Yep. That energy, kids need to feel. Mm -hmm. You will have less kids getting bullied the more they learn to wrestle because they have the, they have the, the, the self-confidence in knowing they can defend themselves. Yeah, 100%. And then baseball, I believe, gives you resiliency. Yeah. You're playing a sport that is nothing but based on failure, right? Like yep. the best in the world are 33%. Right? Yep. And so I think those two combined are probably the two best sports you could ever put your kids into. I, and yeah. develop them, developing them in the future, right? Mm -hmm. to, to be for life. To right? give them as much, you know, life experience you can in, in a safe environment. Because right. it's like, look, man, you know, I, I, I want my kids to learn and I want them to grow, which means they need to be tested. Right. But, dude, I don't want to just dump them off in a war zone and say good luck. You know, yeah. so I think athletics, 
you know, wrestling and baseball in particular are really good environments to cultivate some of those skills they'll need later on. Right, well, think about this. How, how do you train a special operations guy for war? You, you make them uncomfortable in other ways. Mm -hmm. I can't shoot live bullets at him. <laughs> well, you can if you're in Russia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you can't shoot live bullets at him, but I can make him make sure that he's stressed out in other ways, right. physically, so he can't eat. Maybe he doesn't sleep well. It's totally exertion, you know, mm -hmm. total exertion. So those are the ways you, you stress them out. The same way as kids in sports. You put, yeah. them, put them through it. Yep, yep. So that was, I mean, that was kind of my athletic career. I, you know, I played football, baseball, and wrestling up through high school. Um, realized that I wasn't very good at baseball. I wasn't big enough to play football. So wrestling was going to have to be my go-to for, for college. Yeah. So wrestled through college. Um, once I once I finished my collegiate career, I still had that itch to compete. Where did you Where did you wrestle? At? Old Dominion University. Nice. So D one school back yeah. on the East Coast. What, what was your weight class? One forty nine. What do you weigh at right now? One sixty seven. Probably. You're not far off. No. no. I'll never. A yeah. Well, I mean, pound difference is never bad to cut. Like I used to cut twenty something pounds because like. Just this, just, yeah, yeah. you know, once you have the experience of cutting, it's yep. not that hard to do that. Well, so it's funny, after my collegiate career, I, I promised I would never, under any circumstance, ever weigh less than 150 pounds yeah. for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I started fighting. Um, my first few amateur fights were at 155. Well, people don't get that. People don't understand that. When you're showing up to a fight, you're, you're showing up, say you're showing up at 155. Yeah. You might actually weigh... 155. You might actually weigh 160, but the guy you're fighting might actually weigh 190, cutting down for that weight class. Right. So it, it, that's the part where people that are not experienced in fighting don't understand that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And probably like, man, why does this guy look so big? Because he actually is that he's fucking massive. Yeah. He was able to cut weight all the way to the weigh-ins, and then boom. We used to mass hydrate dudes with mm -hmm. freaking IV fluid. Like, yep. bro, I've thrown, oh, yeah. two, I've thrown two full bags in dudes, and you know what I mean? So, oh, yeah. Is it unfair? You can say that sometimes, but it's part of the it's part of the culture that's already existed. It's the game, you know it's what I mean. Game. And it's like, look, if you don't think that guys are going to do everything they possibly can to give themselves an advantage to win, you're why, out of your why mind. Would you, why would you? I've well, especially when your when your livelihood is on the line, right? I mean, that's your career, and it's based off of winning and losing. For sure, I've had fighters that are like, "Oh, I don't like to cut." You're like, well, "Bro, you you don't take the fight serious." Yeah. <laughs> yep. yep. You don't take your career serious mm -hmm. if you're not cutting, because. Everyone else is. Yeah. yeah. And so you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. So that's when I realized, like, okay, I probably should think about going down to 145 because that was the next weight class down. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and I'm not a super tall guy, yeah. right? And that's the other thing as well. At 55, I was finding dudes that are like, I, I fought a guy that was like 6'3". Yeah, that's tough. It's a, you know, and it's not, and I won that fight, but man, it was. Reaches, reaches hell. You know, if that guy had been better, yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd have been, I'd have been, uh, been up the creek for that one. So started fighting um, 145 turned pro and that was, geez, that's probably been about eight years ago now. What's the biggest fight in your career? Ooh, man. The like if you sit here right now and you're like, the one fight that you think was the iconic fight of your career that for, the, for you will tell your kids about, what fight was that? So I, I would say that was probably my last fight at 145. Um, it was uh, for a pretty good-sized regional show up in Idaho. Yeah. Um, and I fought an up-and-coming kid who might be in the UFC now, if I What's believe. What's his name? His name is Matt Jones. Okay. Um, if he isn't, he's, he's damn close. Yeah. Kid, kid's a stud, right? Yeah. And um, this was for a title fight in their organization. Yeah. And, dude, I cut 
so much weight to make this. So, you know, as you know, the older we get, man, the harder that weight gets, yeah. gets to come off. You know what I mean? It's just, it's difficult, right? Um, so I'm there, I'm, I'm cutting, man, and it's just, it's miserable. And normally to make 145, it's a pretty, a pretty shitty experience. I mean, it's hours and hours in the sauna, yeah. right? So eight hours in the sauna, the weight's not coming off anymore. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I'm still, I'm still over, right? So I get on a bike. Dude, I've ride the bike for like 35, almost 40 miles. The, the cutting weight process is a tedious one as well. It's a special skill, and that's just as much of a mental challenge as it is even stepping in the ring. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I've had sure. guys, legitimately, one of my fighters was trying to make weight, right? I used to manage fighters in Texas for yep. years, right? I actually held the door closed because he was trying to come out. I said, nope. I said bro, Give me two more minutes. And he's like, come on, bro. I said, no, dude, I know, I know it sucks, but like I need you. But I'm cutting weight with this dude yeah. most of the time because I'm like, I'll put myself through it too because I know how bad it is. But it's like, no, bro, I need you to do this because he was fighting for a title. It's yeah. one of those important things. And, and, dude, two minutes when you're dehydrated and you're that hot is a lifetime. It's the worst. I mean, it's the worst. Oh, gosh. So, so there, there I am just suffering, you know, feeling like I'm on death's doorstep. And dude, I, I swear, man, I, I really truly feel like these weight cuts have probably taken years off my life. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, so I go down, check the weight, when, and I kind of knew I was, I was over. I was like a pound over. Ugh. I was like, oh. so like, okay, well, we'll give you, we'll give you an hour. You can see if you can get the rest off. And I'm like, bro, I've been at this for like 12 <laughs> hours now. So I go back up, just get back on the bike because I knew the sauna wasn't working. Yeah. Pedal my ass off, try to get a sweat going, come back down, and I'm no shit, dude. It's like I am four tenths of a pound over. Oh my goodness. And they're just like, what well, you do? sorry. So I, you know, I apologize. I'm like, hey, dude, this wasn't for lack of trying. I mean, yeah. it's, and it's not like I don't die. It's not like I blow up and get, you know, yeah. disgusting in between fights. Like I'm a pretty lean guy. Just over time, like my mass had yeah. built up to the yeah. point. Right, and, and just, it was a miscalculation. It um, happens, bro. It's, it, does, it shouldn't happen often if you're one of those repeat offenders. Yeah, yeah there's a probably know, a problem. People start to yeah. know who you are. Well, and it was, I mean, it was, it's, a, it's a hard pill to swallow, man, because that's your reputation on the line. It's your professional. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and I apologize to the dude. I was like, hey, man, you know, sorry. It is what it is. You know, he was still willing to do the fight. You know, but unfortunately. He's going to be shaving your head, so just be safe. <laughs> Go I'm good. I, I got nothing but trust for this man. Um, so, you know, he, he agreed to take the fight. Unfortunately, it, it made me, it, I was no longer valid to receive the title yeah, if I won, title. which kind of sucked because yeah. it was still a five-round fight. So we go out, and, and you know this, I'm sure. Generally speaking, when, when a guy misses weight and the fight still goes on, it, it, the statistics are not in his favor for winning that fight. No, yeah, for a lot, and also, normally you lose part of your purse. Yep. So you give up percentage of, of your purse, so you're yep. already losing money. Uh-huh. And if there was a title on the line, you don't, you don't, you won't be receiving it. Yep. So it becomes just a fight. Yeah. And well, less money. Yep. And and psychologically, man, you're already starting off defeated. Oh, you're like also, you already lost the first the first battle, and yep. so and energy wise, you you forced yourself to cut so much, you could be overexerting your cutting. Which shows up the next day in the fight. Well, dude, I mean, if you know, go go ride a bike for four hours, you know <laughs> what I mean, and and then tell me how you just regular under perfect circumstances, you know, and then tell me how you would feel competing athletically right. after that, right? So, 
I, and I knew this, right? I've been in the game long enough to be like, fuck, man, the, the odds are not in my favor for this. I've got this, you know, young stud who's, you know, up and coming, trying to make a name for himself. I'm the experienced veteran. So and you're, you already got one X, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm going to have my hands full. So, so, you know, I had to put that out of my mind and like, you know what? The, this is the fight, right? And this is what I came to do. And there was a point on, on, the, on the phone with my wife. I was like, I'm done. Like, I'm... That's it. Like, I'm not even going to do this fight. Like, as I was cutting weight, I told her, I was like, yep, no, I'm over this. Like, yeah. I'm just going to tell him, fuck off, and I'm going to come home. That's the mental side of cutting that happens, yep. right? You start doubting everything. Dude, you're putting yourself through the hell. And so I've had guys do the same thing. They're like, hey, man, let's just give up. Like, yeah. I can't make like, it. Like, I don't even care. I don't even care about the fight. Like, and like literally, I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm just done fighting altogether. Not just this fight, but all of it. Just like, fuck it. This isn't worth it. You know, every time I've ever walked to a cage or a ring to fight, I had that conversation with myself. Mm -hmm. Every single day, I tell myself, why do I do this to myself? <laughs> this is the stupidest thing I've ever done in my life. I don't understand why, why I keep doing this, and it's the worst feeling, and that's, that's pretty much what you're going through, but during the cut. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and so, you know, man, it's like, I'm, I'm just absolutely in the pit of despair. Like, this is the worst I've ever felt going into a fight, like the worst things have ever gone, pre-fight, whatever. So you get to the fight. So I get to the fight, and surprisingly, I felt really good for whatever reason. And I think a lot of it was like, you know what, man? Fuck it. I, I just, I took all the pressure off. It's like, I don't care what happens. You know, this may very well be the last time I step in the cage. Dude, I'm just gonna fight. And, well, and, and you also have experience. Right? Yeah. It's mm -hmm. a big thing that people don't get. Like. The experience does come with you into the ring, and you probably showed up like, all right, this is like I've done it every, a million other times. Mm -hmm. Let's go. Yep. And... <laughs> go ahead. So, so we get in there. We had a strong game plan. Like, I knew that this guy was just really dynamic on his feet. Um, he, he's got, you know, a really really awkward but effective style with his striking. There's a lot of off-angle stuff. Um, you know, kind of like the style bender guy. It's like, man, yeah. he's really unpredictable. He's a little bit taller, a little bit longer. And I was like, okay, I can't let this dude play that game. I've just got to smother him. I've got to use my wrestling. Um, and that was, that was essentially the game plan, man. It's like, I cannot let this guy get comfortable. So as soon as the bell came out, I came forward, threw a two-piece, set him on his ass, and then jumped on him. Um, and so... That was pretty much the recipe for most of the fight was just like yeah, be on top of this guy. Him. Now, the thing that I didn't account for is actually he was a lot better on the ground um, than I anticipated. So I thought that once I had him on the ground, I would just manhandle him. Um, and, you know, man, he, he, he put up a hell of a fight, like caught me actually in a, in a triangle that I had to work out of and reversed a couple of positions. So it was a good back and forth fight. Um, you just go the distance? Yeah, it went all five. So, again, after that hellacious weight cut, now I've got now going five 25 rounds. fucking minutes with this kid who just won't go away. Yeah. In the fourth round, um, he, started, he started sensing that, like, okay, i got to make something happen because I was pretty much dominating. I was controlling the fight, um, landing some good stuff. So he got, he got a little bit bolder and freaking threw this spinning back kick that I shot right into and just ate it full on in the face. Dude, he split my eye open. I finished the takedown and now I'm just bleeding everywhere. Yeah. And I'm like, oh fuck, I hope this isn't bad. So now there's blood everywhere. And now I know like, okay man, now I'm cut. So 
it changes game plan. A little bit, because, I mean, even if it doesn't bother you, the way that affects the judging, yes. is pr you, you have to factor that in. And that's something that a lot of fighters, I don't think, really take into account. It's like, man, the, how you feel and how the fight is being perceived are two totally different things. You gotta think about it. They don't know all the small intricacies. Half of those judges have never fought in their right. life. They're just yep. judges. And so when they see you bleeding and he's not already in their heart, wow, you're losing. Yep. You're taking the worst of it. Uh-huh. And so, you know, there, there is this level of, of, man, almost showmanship, right? That like, no matter how much you're hurting or how tired you are, whatever, it's like, man, you got to game face that because that's going to weigh in the judge's mind. 100%. They're going to look at you and like, you might be beating this dude's ass, but if you look like you're about to fall over and die, in their mind, the other dude is winning. Yeah. So I was like, okay, man, I've really got to step this shit up. And so now, even though I'm exhausted, even though I, dude, it's like, I just want to be done with this. It's like, all right, if I want to win this thing, I've come this far. It's like, man, I've got to just, you know, step on the gas pedal and just be relentless with my pressure on this guy. And so I did. And we went the distance and I ended up winning by decision. Great. And, you know, that was one of those fights where I was like, man, I, because that was something that I've always struggled with is kind of coming back from the, from the brink of disaster, right? Yeah. It's well, like once, once it starts coming off the rails. Yeah. I've never been able to get it back, and this was one of the few times that I was able to. Well, you know, that's a lot of adversity, a lot of issues, and then coming out and getting the win off an opponent that potentially is going to be fighting in the UFC, or if not is in the UFC mm -hmm. now, that's a really good win. Yeah, no, so that was, that was a good one, and, um, <laughs> I, you know, I had kind of resolved, I was like, never again, dude, I'm fucking over this stupid sport, and literally not five minutes later, an opportunity for another fight came up, and without hesitation, I was like, yep. <laughs> And I'm like, you dumb motherfucker. Like, you literally were just telling yourself. So, so that, was, that was good. So that's your big win. Yep. Tell me about your first loss. Ooh, that was a shitty one, man. Um, I was undefeated. I was 10-0. That makes it even harder, doesn't ah, it? Dude, it was brutal. Well, because I thought that that was going to be kind of my meal ticket, right? Like, I was going to be this undefeated fighter, and that was how I was going to make a name for myself. That's how everyone has it, right? Yep. It's funny how... You build your rank so high, you know every time you win another one, you're putting yourself in a position that might be changing, life-changing. Mm -hmm. My brother-in-law was in a very similar position. He, he had one more fight before he fought for a heavyweight title. And in that fight, he got knocked out and changed uh, his whole career. Yep. And so tell me about your loss. So another title fight at an organization. And they were having a hard time finding guys for the event. So the, the opponent changed like six times. Which makes it harder. Yeah, you know... Kind of. Well, there's there's a lot of fight strategy, dude. Yeah, Straight yeah, up, yeah. there is. Sure, so, sure, sure, sure. Like, you can be fighting a six foot four fighter or a five foot nine fighter. It changes game plan. Yeah. And so that alone, yeah. I mean, I think good fighters just train to fight. Right. Plain and simple. You're well rounded, no matter what. It's a mixed martial arts. Yeah. Match. But if you know if someone has a weakness on something, mm -hmm. it's nice to be able to, to train that. Definitely. Well, I mean, I think you have to have a strategy going into it. But to to think that like, oh, I'm gonna train for this specific guy to do this specific move in the fight, I think is foolish. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, okay, I, I need about two days to kind of prep, mm -hmm. you know. So you, don't, you, don't, you don't need a whole fight camp. Right. Yeah. yeah, but, I, you know, it is nice to have some information. So they found this guy. He had a decent record. I think he was, like, 6-3 and three professionally. So, I mean, he had more fights at the time than I did. Um, but looking at there wasn't a ton out there or anything. He didn't give me an impression that he was that great of a fighter. But it was like, whatever, dude, it's a title fight. Yeah, I'm taking this guy seriously. We're going to have at it. So we get there, and we see this dude, and we're like, oh, dude, this guy is 
I don't know who he's been fighting, but I mean, the guy legitimately was like five foot one and just like soft. And it's like, how are we even in the same weight class? So right away, you thought for sure you got this. Oh, yeah. I mean, to the point where my coach was even like, hey, dude, you're going to smash this guy. You're still, it's still pretty early in your career. Dude, I want you to just get some work in. Don't go out there and just destroy this dude. He's like, I want you to, it's a five-round fight, man. Get some cage time in. So already I hear like a lot of mistakes being made by not just you, but yeah, the coaching. Yeah, yeah. But this is, this happens all the time. Yeah. I've showed up with fighters and looked at a dude across like, oh bro, we got this. And yep. then you show up and you're like, oh. like my daughter, she wrestles, she wrestles, right? Uh-huh. I saw her wrestle against this boy. This boy looked like, I mean, maybe 90 pounds soaking wet with boots on, right? Mm -hmm. And I told her, said, just be smart. You got this. And this kid, I swear within 30 seconds, picked her up and slammed oh, the shit goodness. out of her. And I was like, okay, we read this wrong. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. So go ahead. Feeling good, man. You know, confidence is an all-time high. And get in there. It's like, hey, man, just relax. Just move around. Spend the first round. Don't do anything. Just, you know, yeah. be comfortable. Just read him. Find yeah. him. See where you want yeah, to go. Yeah. So, dude, I'm looking at this guy, and it's like, oh, dude, he is helpless. Yeah. Like, watching him move, throw strikes. I was like, this dude is barely trained. Throw a couple things. Sting him. He hates it. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is great. Dude closes his eyes, fucking comes over the top, and just drops me with an overhand right. No shit. I hit the canvas. I've, I flash knocked down. Yep. I sit up. The ref had called it off. Oh Waved my. it off. Fight's over. In <laughs> like, and I mean, this was probably less than two minutes into the fight. Like we'd barely even gotten started. So this is his move, right? That's his, he, he looks shitty, but he has this. Uh, he's got dynamite in his hands. Well, I, I actually, having seen him fight, he just got lucky. Like, dude, it happened. I mean, I mean, it was, it was pure. He closed his eyes, pure dumb luck. You know what I mean? Like, but hats off to him. He did what he needed to do, and I played the game wrong. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't go in there with the right mindset, and I paid for it. And the reason I ask this question is, how do you come back from loss, and not just loss in a fight, mm -hmm. in life? Does that show you? It's kind of the, the, I think that's why I love fighting so much. I think it teaches people the most honest version of life. Mm -hmm. Even when things are going good, shit can go bad, mm -hmm. right? Like in a fight, there is no guarantee. There is no like, I, I hate when people used to tell me, oh, bro, you got this. It's like, <laughs> you say that because you've never done this. Because right. no, I never know I got this. Right. I always think like, oh my God, I might get knocked out, mm -hmm. right? And that's in my head. Yep. Because I know the truth of fighting. Mm -hmm. Anything happens. Just like in this fight, anything happens. Yep. And so coming back from loss, obviously it's hard, but is this something that you've learned now and accept? And is this something that you take with you in life now? Well, yeah. I mean, and from a wrestling background, you, you understand that you're going to lose some. Yeah. You know, I mean, it just, it's, it's part of the game. And, you know, it was, it was hard because I had banked, this was like my career, right? My identity was being this undefeated fighter, but... What got me through it was realizing, like, hey, dude, the sun still comes up. Like, my wife still loves me. I, yep. My daughter's, you know, still my daughter. Like, every, nothing really changed. Everyone's still proud. Every, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so we, we I, I think we, we put too much stock in other people's opinion. Um, not that it doesn't matter, but that it changes on a whim. The people that matter. Like, the yeah. people who matter, dude, that's not going to change. So, like, being in the veteran community for myself, um, you tend to forget that people just appreciate that you serve, mm -hmm. right? You start to believe that, that like, 
It's, it's this funny thing. I don't care what your MOS is, right? Meaning I don't care what your, the job is. Sometimes as an infantry guy, you get a little ego thinking like you've done a lot, right? Mm -hmm. But you forget like my grandmother never understood what I did. Never. She thought I was a park ranger, right? I've said this in several speeches. <laughs> and so that's kind of the, the we're like, she doesn't care. Yeah. She supported the idea that I served. Mm -hmm. She believed it. And it's the same with like that. People who love you, they don't care if you win or you lose. The fact that you stepped in the ring, they're super proud that you took that chance. Yeah. Well, and, and the fact that you're doing something that you love, right. you know what I mean? And it brings you joy. And that really should be the support. And I, you know, one of the things that helped is I, I put myself in the place of someone else, of a coach, right? Yeah. Like if I'm coaching a guy and he loses, like I'm not... I'm not disappointed in him. I'm sad that he didn't get the outcome he wanted, he but it's like, it's like, man, I still, I mean, dude, you're still my boy, yeah. you know? And so I, w putting myself, reversing that role is it's like, oh, okay, dude, nobody thinks that I'm a, you know, right. shitty fighter now just because I lost one fight. They don't care. They just want me to go and do the thing that I like doing. So life after MMA. So what's, what's that look like for you? Well, I mean, that, that is what you're doing now. Savage gentleman, you know, I mean, that's, that's kind of yeah. what we're here doing. It's, I realized that, you know, most of my life was spent destroying things um, in the cage. And there was an aspect of me, um, a creative side that I hadn't been tapped, that hadn't been tapped for a long time. So funny how similar that is for my life. Mm -hmm. I've always been the big guy to kick in doors, to, to knock things, to break things. Yep. I've always been the physical person. Like people appreciated the fact that I was doing these things with my physical attributes, athleticisms or whatnot. And then to get out of all that and start writing, yeah. right? To start creating mm -hmm. becomes like, most people probably wouldn't see that side of me or never. I wrote a poem, people were like, what? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But man, that creating side of things, using my brain, using my emotions, has been more therapeutic for me than anything I've ever done in my life. Yeah, and, and, and that's what I realized when I started doing that, because I, you know, I understood that, hey, I'm not gonna be able to fight my entire life. I need to start making moves on something that is gonna be more sustainable. Um, and so that led me to, to writing blogs and editing videos and making wallets and doing all this creative stuff. And I was like, oh dude, this is what I've been missing for a while. Like, this is, this is something, no wonder I've been feeling weird and out of place it's like man I, I love fighting i love training but you know we, we're we're more complex than just a one-trick pony right and so we need to be cultivating it all and, you, and and just on that like what do you think in cultivating what do you think about men you know who i guess more like the new thing right now is hormone replacement therapy or testosterone replacement therapy and the importance of just maintaining self, yeah. you know, and, and how do you feel about that subject? Dude, I think that's huge, man. I think that, you know, just like if someone wasn't able to process insulin, right, right and we give them injections, I think that if for some reason you're, you're not making testosterone, like that's an important hormone in your body, and if you don't have it, shit goes south really fast. Well, I talk about this, so a lot, a lot of veterans have that problem because of the stress they've endured through combat. So, like... I mentioned that because in the military, a lot of guys who've gone through, special operations guys especially, we, we train pretty, pretty silly, right? We blow ourselves up accidentally, we do training, um, also see a lot of uh, combat. All these things kind of, in turn, have found out have ruined a lot of guys' testosterone. Yep. And so with that, if you say testosterone, low testosterone, you start to realize there's a lot of depression, there's a lot of, uh, obviously, body weight, all these things that, that libido, 
dude, if you have a if you have a low sex drive, you can affect the relationship. Affect the relationship could change your life. Well, yeah, I mean, and then think about it. It's like, well, man, at that point, what's right? I mean, how much of a man are you anymore? Well, it's hard. Yeah, what, is that a life even worth living at that it's, point? It's, it's like, damn. It, it really is a difficult time. And so when I say that, I know fighters had the same mm -hmm. same issue with a lot of the punches, a lot of the TBIs that mm -hmm. potentially happen. Um, and so just kind of you know, that to me all goes in line with the savage gentleman, right? Is not just being um, a man, but is all, all a full man, a complete yeah. man, as well as a well-rounded man. Being the best man that you can be, essentially, right? And whatever that looks like. And, and you know, my, the biggest thing for me with Savage Gentlemen and this general idea is to not be complacent, to not just look at, to not just look at wherever we are and say, okay, that's good enough. Because if you're not growing, you're dying. Right, and so you know, when we're looking at guys and, and, and dudes that are struggling at certain points in their lives, because they've just kind of, I feel like they just kind of settled in, yeah. right? They, there's no more challenge, there's no more dragons to slay. And it's right. like, fuck man, we gotta find whatever that is and, and keep pursuing that. Right, and for you it's business now. For me it's business now, it's business, it's my family, it's, you know, it's, it's leading a life of adventure, doing all these things, doing basically whatever I can to push and challenge myself. Right. Nice, man. I love that. So part of being that savage gentleman is, is not allowing society to put us in that box, mm -hmm. but as well as being a well-rounded individual for many reasons, yeah. right? Being able to protect yourself, being able to mm -hmm. protect your family, also being able to know what's classy, right? Yeah. It's a big thing is, is you know, the, the, the gentleman side of things people forget is also having manners, right? Yep. Shivery isn't dead. Right. Correct. Well, I mean, that, that's how we navigate the world, right? And it's like, look, man, you catch more flies with honey. Like, you can be, you can be a complete bastard, yeah. right? But you're not going to make it as far in life as opposed to if you have a little bit of tact, you know what I mean? Right. And know how to deal with people and know how to navigate certain societal situations. And right. that's the gentlemanly side. Yeah, the gentlemanly side is also knowing how to treat a woman, mm -hmm. you know, knowing how to raise kids. Yep. And so it's a beautiful sentiment. I think the, the company motto and, and the direction you guys are going is incredible. And I just love the fact that you come here to Throwbacks Barber Company to allow us to, to give you a gentleman haircut. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. You know, the thing that, that really appeals to me is this place, it's, an, it's more than just a barber shop, yeah. right? It, it, it has meaning beyond just getting a haircut, right? It's bringing back that, that idea of this is a place that you come to have discussion, to talk about ideas, to, you know, again, grow as a person, because we right. only do that by interfacing with other people. Yeah, we live in a society that it's, that it's the immediate gratification, and that's why the barbershops are these quick 10-minute 10, 10 you know, chop shops, we yeah. like to call them. Instead, here, you show up and you have the environment and you have the conversations, and it might take an hour, sure. but you know what? Why not give yourself that hour? You know, yeah. this, is, this is all part of the, the growth and, and camaraderie that we, we, we all thirst for yep. to become a part of something. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the, the barbershop at, at a certain point in American history was the open forum for discussion, for ideas, you know, political or, or not. You know what I mean? And there's been many a times I've come in here and just complete strangers sitting across the chair from somebody talking about some really cool shit, hearing their stories. And man, it, it gets me thinking about the world differently. And that's something I think we need more of. Oh, correct, man. correct. Well, dude, you're done with your cut, and I appreciate your time and appreciate your interview, brother. My pleasure. Josh Tyler, thank you so much, man. We're seven gentlemen. Thanks, homie. <laughs> Good closing? Perfect. Boom. Right on. That was sweet. You like it? Ooh, yeah, that's slick. Dang.